gon' get up, then we gon' rock, then we gon' smoke weed on the show. X gon' give it to ya, we gon' give it to ya, X gon' give it to ya, we gon' give it to ya. Hey, DMX, man, you know you can't smoke weed on the show. What? What? Uh, you don't tell me what I can do. This Earl Simmons, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and you can get up on my face, or you gon' get... Yo, it's the weed episode, man. It's not the PCP episode. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. Uh, hey, man, did you say you're riddling today, man? Uh, I sound like a dog on the top when I rap, when I scrap, when I'm in the backyard and I'm giving all my boys that. We're going to come through. What up, what up? This is the Brothers in Law once again. Jesse McCoy with the world's leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. No, no, I'm not. I'm actually okay. angry. I'm like every other black man. <laughs> what, what are you angry about today? <laughs> uh, I, I, some, trouble something. I was on a plane all day. I don't even know. But I know if I go on Facebook, I'll find out uh, something I'm supposed to be mad at, at about today. What is going on with with the and that just ain't basically the rebirth of black anger, <laughs> the renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> and just so people who don't know, I'm t- we're talking about we're talking about maybe the last few weeks of the first you know first few weeks of 2018. We're, we're talking about not just, you know, the normal angry people, right? We're not talking about Farrakhan, right? And, you know, and brothers who've been, you know, in the struggle forever. We're talking about people who are new to the struggle, like Don Lemon. His supporters made excuses, continue to make excuses for him. Some of them people I personally know. Some of them are his friends, as a matter of fact, and I can hear them now telling me, oh, Don, Donald didn't mean that. Donald isn't a racist or just people who don't know him. I don't think, I think he was taken out of context. I'm not sure. How many examples do you need of this? But he is a racist. And for all of you who over the last few years have uttered that tired, lazy, uninformed, uneducated, ignorant response of calling me and others who point out racist behavior racist, you know what you can go do? Basically telling all of white America to, um, he, he wouldn't say what he said. He's basically went to the line and said, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say. But being, a, look, two, two weeks ago, we were calling him Uncle Don Lemon. <laughs> two, two weeks ago, he was hanging out uh, in New Orleans, getting hammered. Uh, and, and I guess that's more than all. You know, I mean, we saw Joy Reid, remember, uh, on a Sunday morning talk show, say to the woman, what you not going to do. Right. Hold on a second. Let me, uh, I don't know you, Stephanie. We don't know each other. But let me just explain to you, this is not Fox News. We're not going to play the game of rolling out crazy conspiracy theories in the answers to my it's question. Hold on. Conspiracy if theory. you have an answer to my question, I'm going to let you give it. But what you're not going to do is throw out crazy conspiracy theories to try to take us off track. You, you realize it, you know, maybe all of us don't understand this, but Jesse already got scared. He probably peed a little bit when I, when I said that. There's nothing scarier than a black woman saying what you're not going to do. <laughs> That was, as a kid, always was the, what was that, the, the, you know, the prelude to an ass whooping, a good ass whooping. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, everybody is not indoctrinated in the same uh, value system as black America. 
And I think that this is an important teachable moment for us to, to influence the world. We can really change the world. So, for instance, uh, what is the lady's name? I don't know how to pronounce it. Christian or Christian or, or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how Jay got in the name anyway. But um, so one of the things I want to advise her if she's listening is hey, wait, 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 so, uh, you uh, Christian Nielsen, who is the current uh, uh, head of Homeland Security. Right. Head of Homeland Security. So I know she's listening. So, <laughs> so um, what the first thing is, when you are asked a question, it's better to not reference other answers, particularly when you didn't answer the question in the first place. <laughs> it's better not to reference it and throw it back in somebody's face as if they're burdening you with questions. Uh, so you notice a lot of phrases such as, oh, again, or <laughs> like I told you last time. Those are things that um, you just don't do um, in black culture unless you're really ready for that battle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're ready. And I don't know that she's ready. Now, she has the benefit of the cameras on and all that. But I always wonder, would she have those same kinds of responses to the questions that uh, Kamala Harris asked her if, I don't know, if O.J. Simpson was hitting beside her? I'm just curious if the response would be received the same way. But here's the thing is, though, is that I wouldn't be surprised in two weeks if Kamala doesn't come doesn't say, don't make me come down there and then come down there. Right. You know, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple weeks if Kamala didn't start a congressional hearing by taking off her earrings and putting on Vaseline. Right. I mean, <laughs> black people are getting angry. That same hearing. Cory Booker, I think he ruined his chance to be vice president or president because he he went after, <laughs> he went after the white woman. And I was like, well, you know, think about it. And, you know, the old you know 1940s black man jumped out of me. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> you whoa, gonna get whoa, us all whoa. in trouble, Cory? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the thing he got mad about this for those of you who didn't hear about it is this woman would name Kirsten with a J in it, Nielsen with S-E-N, by the way, said that she wasn't sure if Norway was a predominantly white country. Now, her name, her first name is Norwegian. Some people tell me that the Nielsen is at least Scandinavian and most likely <laughs> Norwegian as well. And, she, and by the way, she looked like Miss Norway. Well, <laughs> but she looked like the, the person who would be on the Norwegian travel guide, like come to Norway, right, chick? You know, blonde, white, blonde, blonde, you know, blue hair or not blue hair, <laughs> blonde hair, green eyes, you know, standard, you know, my father would say AWW, all American white woman, right? <laughs> well, and, you know, what I'll say, what I'll say though is in Norway, you've got free education, free health care. Um, apparently, it's one of the best places to live in the world. So that tells me that obviously is not geared towards having any minorities. <laughs> That's all I need to know. It, well, we've been trying to get free healthcare here for centuries and, and it, it just never happens. It's never feasible. They get never. free and free education and everybody's happy and values their way of life. And I guess that's because they don't really need anybody to labor under this prison convict leasing system. Uh, but that's another story. And maybe that's how they can afford it. Um, but here's the thing, it's crazy to me, is, you know, so she tried to tell that ridiculous story. Cory Booker came out and basically was like, you know, almost clapping. 
You know, what you ain't going to do is come in here <laughs> and don't let me tell you, boo. And, and, and here's the thing, it's not that she didn't deserve it. She deserved the cursing out, there's no doubt about it. But that, you know, these are not people, like I said, this isn't, you know, these aren't angry, you know, Corey doesn't have a nickname like Sibo, like Corey Booker, you know, he's not, you know, <laughs> he's Corey, right? You know, this is a brother who went to Yale Law School. You see what Yale did to Clarence. Uh, yeah, we'll right. throw some white in you in a minute, right? Clarence don't even know you're black anymore. You know, that could be the way. You know, Hartford can, or not Hartford, because where, where, I forgot, where, I can't remember, I can't remember where Yale is, but wherever it is in Connecticut, that is sort of the sunken place. Like, you could lose a lot of blackness there. And Cornell retained a little blackness, but I think he's about three shades darker, because he's he not even so light skinned anymore. He's he going to be as black as Wesley Snipes by 2020. Well, you know, he got that uh, revitalization of his melanin because he was uh, mayor of Newark, which is arguably one of the, the blacker cities in America. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's amazing because we were talking about this before. I really feel like we need that quintessential angry black man or angry black woman. We need that person in Washington. It's obvious. It's painfully obvious when you watch the videos. Right. There are certain things that Kamala Harris wanted to say that she was just not able to say as long as C-SPAN was zooming <laughs> in on her face. Obviously. And because I understand that she has to run for re-election ultimately and you know she has to make sure that she's catering to the base and et cetera, et cetera. I understand that she's going to feel cornered and she's going to try to present the classiest front that she right. possibly can but we need somebody who's willing to throw class to the wind and willing to check people because I think the disconnect that a lot of us feel with our leaders in Congress is that we don't feel heard. Like we don't right. feel like they understand or, or see what we're going through and we want them to counteract any of the craziness that's coming out of this administration. Like quite simple questions about it, you know, <laughs> minorities in Norway, like th this is, these are no brainers. Like, But here's the thing is, is that, and Ken Peel were on to something here. Remember when they had Luther, the angry mm -hmm. translator, which by the way, I'm going to tell you, I actually came up with that idea years ago for Obama, right after the beer okay. summit. You got to get you a, and the idea, the model for it was, remember James Carville, Clinton's guy? Right. He was a perfect example of this. Carville didn't have any position in elected government in anything. But Carver would come out there. He's going to come up with the, with the trailer, you know, drag a $20 through a trailer park and see what you come up with, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he was a guy who could talk the craziness. Clinton could just sort of step back and be classy. And so I think we need to get, you know, a designated, you know, angry black person. But just let one person have all the crazy. Right. Because you can't spread all that blackness around. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work that well for us. And somebody's need to be around for 2020 um, who one white person will still trust because it's not going to be uh, Don Lemon. We just look at, we got to look at the clip later of Don Lemon cursing out MLK's nephew, I think on MLK's birthday. It seems like you're negating your own argument then because he, he, he believes it. In his ignorance, well, he, he, he believes he, he, what he, he says he, and therefore it means that's what's in his heart. Well, no, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that because he thinks he knows something, that's what's in his heart. Um, you know, he could be misinformed from a from a source that he considers credible. Isaac. Yes. He's the president. 
He has yeah. an obligation to be informed. And you I know what? Asked a very similar question. George Wallace said he wasn't a racist. He, he's unaware, well, so that doesn't make you less racist because you're aware or you deny your racism. You're saying that he said what he said to John Lewis, and you're saying, well, maybe over the years he's done some things. He was he promoted the whole racist birther movement. Uh, Mexicans are rapists. He wanted to shut down Muslims from entering the country. Uh, there are okay, well, let's, 15 let's, examples that I can go through. How much okay, more evidence do you let's. need? <laughs> you ain't black enough all right anymore and the point is that one of us needs to be around and so i think we need to you know sort of elect someone now right now we have i think our you know designated angry black person is maxine waters is there some reason why i did not get a response uh, to the letter that i sent may 23rd So, uh, Ranking Member Waters, first of all, let me thank you for your service to California. Being a resident of California, uh, I appreciate everything that thank you've you done much, for the community uh, I there. I don't want to take my time. I, I also I have appreciated the opportunity to meet reclaiming with you my time. several times reclaiming my when time. we were doing our, our reclaiming my time. Right, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming <laughs> my time. I'm Maxine. You want to talk about the things I've done, but I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah. You want to speak on the battles I've won, yeah. but I'm reclaiming my time. Ooh, All right. Well, that's not why I brought you here to share it. I'm, I'm reclaiming, reclaiming my time. Yeah. Don't read my resume, because I was there. I'm reclaiming my yeah. time. Oh, Yes, I am. My time. Every minute. My time. Every second. My time. Stop talking. My time. Do you know the rules? My time. When it's my time. My time. I can take it back. My time. Oh, 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 oh. Auntie Maxine, which, which is good, but Auntie Maxine is 75 years old. <laughs> she might want to retire. God bless her. She deserves every every bit of rest you know, the sister can get. So we might want to get someone old under 63. That's all I'm saying. Well, see, I think, you know, that that senior level of assertiveness and aggressiveness, that's what you need. Like, I, I always look at the old clips of Louis Farrakhan when, when he was on Donahue and all those shows back in the 80s. She said, let us start right now. Let's forget the past. Notice this. When Jewish people remember the Holocaust and want the world to remember the Holocaust. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you want the world to remember? Because if the world does not remember, it is likely to repeat itself. And Jewish persons who suffered from the Holocaust want the world to remember this because the world turned its back while Jews were put in ovens. I, as a black person, want my people to remember what we have suffered and what we continue to suffer so that we will say like the Jews, never again. Never again. And people used to lose their minds, but when you right. listen to what he's saying, it's for, for a minority in America, it's 100% accurate. So, <laughs> so, so I, you know, and I miss it. And, and the thing I always respect about him, whether I agree with him on everything or not, what I always respect about him is you can put him in a lion's den 
and he's not going to change. He's going to be the same guy. He's not there to really dispose of anybody's feelings. He's, right. he's going to keep it real with you. And people, as much as, you know, the, the mainstream society hated him, they still would invite him to come talk at all these different schools and all these different agencies because they like hearing it. He He's he's keeping it real. And I think right, that's what we need in common. But, 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 but he can't get elected. See, that's what you, you can have. You know, so a perfect example is Reverend Wright is a great example of that. Um, and, 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 you know, Reverend Wright is a perfect example where I don't mind, you know, you need someone out there throwing the, you know, who's willing to talk, say the truth and, and say the hard stuff, but he can't be president. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. <laughs> and you need to be an outsider. And, you know, and, and a lot of our old classes of, you know, bomb, bomb, you know, bomb throwers. So here's the thing is, if you're out there, Corey and, and Kamala, uh, bring me on as an aide. Not even I'm, I'm paid. I, I, I don't need the money, but just let me come up there. You need to curse out a white woman on Capitol Hill. I've been looking forward to doing it for years. All right, <laughs> I, I live with a black woman, so I don't get to curse out any woman at home. So let call me. All right, <laughs> I'll be Capitol Hill and curse them out, and then you can still be president. Because I want one of you two to be president, both of you maybe together, right? But but not not if you keep cursing out these white people. Well, I'm willing to do it, but I but I, I need the money. <laughs> I definitely need the money. I'm willing to do it. If you all want to sponsor the show, yeah, you can us on Facebook at Brothers in Law. <laughs> you do, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I got to think, you know, this is going to be a, a interesting moment. Um, and and I don't, I got to tell you, I've been the same way. I posted on Facebook and pray for me. I know my, I'm glad my, almost glad my grandmother lived to see this day. I posted on Facebook last week and the post said, if you voted for Trump and I haven't said fuck you recently, fuck you. <laughs> I posted that to thousands of people on the internet with my name on it, with an open Facebook page. People want to hire me for speeches and I got to look, go, look at this fool, right? But I couldn't hold the anger back anymore because Trump has unleashed a level of anger. And here's the weird part. It's not because he's racist because the truth of the matter is He's not our first racist president. He's our 44th, maybe 45th. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Uh, Just just for reference, make sure nobody Googles Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, George Washington. Really, anybody. (laughs) Anybody but maybe Obama, right? Maybe Obama. But but the Trump thing about it was it, it's so blatantly obvious, you know, it's like you can't even pretend anymore. All right. And, and you know, when you say that certain people from certain parts of the world shouldn't come here anymore, that's a definition of racism. Right? There's, there's no ands if a but about it. And, you know, and, and I'm just like, you know what, now the gloves are off and you've proven by electing Trump that all the reasons that before we couldn't make it. That, you know, you know, well, our clients just wouldn't be, you know, he's too rough. His hairstyle isn't right. He doesn't wear his pants right. He doesn't, you know, he sometimes you know, splits his infinitives and doesn't conjugate correctly. Once you have elected Donald Trump as president, I know that none of that's true anymore. That there's no standards for anything. <laughs> and I'm not even going to pretend anymore. I'm starting to do posts now. The other day I had a post and started it and said, you done done it now. Done, done. <laughs> That's not even a thing, all right? But I'm not pretending anymore, right, <laughs> to, 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 that, that I speak the Queen's English all the time because speaking gutter English got this fool to be president. <laughs> well, speaking of the Queen's English, uh, guess who won't be meeting the Queen? Um, <laughs> so Donald Trump uh, was, was banned 
uh, essentially, well, he says he canceled the trip, but he was banned from the, from uh, was it from England, from the United Kingdom? I don't know. He he was banned. Uh, they've been having videos all day about uh, how hilarious they think it is that uh, his trip magically got canceled uh, after they issued their statement about not wanting him to come. Um, And I think that with Donald Trump, it's very interesting to me that you have found a way to artfully and creatively piss off the entire world, right? (laughs) The entire world. And many of the American people, the comment he made about people being from shithole countries, uh, particularly it was, I think it was in reference to Haiti, El Salvador, or African nations, right? right? And, and, it's it's amazing that this is I guess his story now is changing. He said he didn't really say that, but now the people who are there are like, well, yeah, you did. And then some people are backtracking saying, no, you didn't. Um, but it, it's just amazing to me the levels that we've gone through for people who support him to still not accept that he's racist. And I kind of feel like if they're not accepting that he's racist, then they're not accepting that they are in oh. fact racist as well. Um, these are the people who believe that the opportunities are equal. There's equity everywhere. You just have to come here, work hard, make sure you follow all the appropriate immigration rules. It doesn't matter if you got here at seven years old and you've been living here for 30 years and, and haven't committed a crime. Uh, the problem is you didn't do your paperwork. And so, <laughs> and, and so you need to go back to a country that you don't really know anything about and you need to do it the right way next time. That's, right. that's kind of the, the Trump supporter position on everything. There's always an excuse. Meanwhile, the people supporting Trump, uh, for the most part, they don't have any money either. They're struggling trying to get the same jobs that we're trying to get. Uh, I think uh, Dave Chappelle mentioned in special that he was looking at them when they would say he's going to fight for us. He said, I looked at them in their cold, smeared faces. <laughs> I said, he's going to fight for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and here's the thing about, uh, about that, by the way, because you mentioned about how not committing a crime is a big deal. But here's the problem is they're moving the goalpost on crime because now they're trying to make weed illegal again everywhere. Make America unsafe for weed. <laughs> so, you know, Jeff, Jeff Sessions is, is a trip. So let me give the people just an update. We, we start off with this concept of states' rights. And I know this is really, really uh, scary because when I think of states' rights, I think of all those historic debates about slavery and what states will come <laughs> into the union and, and have slavery and which ones won't. But state rights are a thing. As a matter of fact, uh, under the Constitution, any right that's not expressly given to the federal government remains with the state. So those would be all the police powers for the health and safety of the citizens of that state. Well, well here recently, well, except for the fact that also that that is true, except for the fact that because states don't act right half the time, the the, the courts have to sort of <laughs> 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 have to add in a few extra things because you know you can't trust states to act right. But you're right; those are federal systems supposed <laughs> to handle their business, and the feds have a limited jurisdiction. Right. And they only mess up on small minor things like owning other people and not giving them their rights and, you know, making sure that they have separate and unequal education. But besides besides all those things, I mean, they're doing a bang up job. So so anyways, um, one of the big things is states have realized that there is a major moneymaker that is housed 
in really each of the 50 states, even though only 29 of them are willing to admit that. And that is marijuana sales. And what I mean by that is some states have authorized that medicinal marijuana can be legal in their state. Some states have authorized that even recreational marijuana uh, can be legal in their state. The problem is the Controlled Substances uh, Act that the federal government clings to still categorizes marijuana as an illegal substance. And so what the states are trying to do is they're trying to find a way to capitalize the revenue for people who go through the proper steps of setting up dispensaries in, in places where it's recreational. Um, and, and one of the things that we were interested in, in finding out was exactly how much does it cost uh, just on the licensing mm. for these things. And we were seeing prices that range from $5,000 to $20,000 just for licensing. So we're not talking about setting up the business. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about getting a connect. We're not talking about grow houses. We're not talking about specialized uh, UV light. So I've heard we're, we're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about just to have permission and the good graces of the state. We're looking at $20,000 up front. You're looking at tax values with rates in the states that have uh, declared recreational marijuana to be legal. Uh, let's take Colorado, for instance. In 2014, they, when they first started counting, made $67.5 million of state revenue off of just the taxation of marijuana. That number has since increased to now in 2017, $247 million. And you may be wondering, just like I did, well, you know, what is this money going towards? In a lot of these states, this money is going towards the things that we had all the debates about when Obama was the president, when states wanted to reject the Medicaid subsidies that Obama was trying to issue through the <laughs> Affordable Care Act from the federal government. They didn't want to take it. Well, the problem is people couldn't go to the doctor to get checked out or to get medical treatment. So now this money they're using is funneling community health centers, uh, subsidizing Medicaid in those states. And a portion of it is also being applied to the general fund for each state's general assembly for their own pet projects. So they're making money hand over fist off of an industry that was largely handled by people who were committing crimes at the time and may have gotten criminal punishments and criminal records because of that. But now with the states taking a new stance, the question comes into play, what happens with those old criminal convictions or the people who are currently serving sentences for marijuana related charges? What happens? With and you know, the answer is, of course, nothing. They, they, they stay in jail, unfortunately. <laughs> now, here's the weird part is, so not only did they not benefit, you got the, the brothers who, you know, were on the corner who no longer, you know, put out of business by the dispensaries. But you figure, OK, because a lot of brothers mm -hmm. were able to get their dispensary on. Right. And of course, we know the answer to that is no. Um, that, you know, almost none of these dispensaries are owned by people of color. Uh, and, and this is a, an extremely lucrative business. Now we talk about the state getting their benefits, but remember, that's not just taxes that, you know, so the 270 million, you know, whatever number that is, that's just the, the state's cut. They're, they're 6%, right? We're talking about the larger sum of money going to these individuals. And I mean, the money is absolutely amazing. And here's the thing that's amazing about it is it costs a lot of money to get yourself set up. Right, because you have twenty thousand just on mm -hmm. licensing. Plus, you got to get a store, all that stuff. Right, but the thing about it, so you right. know, a lot of people of color couldn't, you know, raise the money. You can't go to a bank and get a loan, right, for 
<laughs> medical marijuana uh, for right. marijuana dispensary. Right. But the weird part is this, though, is that we talked about this earlier. It's like you and I, the, the idea is like, okay, we know, you know, brothers and sisters who, you know, come up and doctors and lawyers, et cetera. And I, the five or six richest black people I know wouldn't have even thought of getting into this business. And it is a money Absolutely. machine. Machine. And but but the yeah. idea for us would almost be like, well, you know, we came out of it, you know, the hood. We're not going back to this. But even when it's legal, and so somehow, you know, we're kind of missing out on both and we, you know, so all this extra money and revenue is great, but it doesn't get any of our other brothers and sisters out of jail from the past. It it is it, we're not making any money off of this now. How do we find a way to lose no matter whether it's legal or not? It's, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the 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 uh barriers for entry into the industry are the same barriers that are the entry into any right. other corporate industry. We, you know, we, we don't have the capital and we don't have access to the capital that's needed in order to get started. And I do think, you know, access to capital is also a smart way of saying uh, the, the credibility and clout to get into these industries too. I think the other interesting thing uh, to realize is of these 29 states, the, the states that are, are not currently uh, involved in any kind of, legalized marijuana are largely uh, the same states that the uh, SEC football <laughs> conference <laughs> would be in. Uh, your Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. And you would think that these states with all of their agricultural resources would say, this is the time to go out here and let's set up these dispensaries. Let's use this farmland. Let's get this money. But they haven't. And the only reason I can think of that they have not done that is because these states also want to continue prioritizing uh, getting cheap labor from inmates largely charged with marijuana related offenses. Uh, and, And as a result, they're able to keep their system of quasi slavery ongoing, but nobody will complain because there's always a criminal conviction that they can redirect everybody too. So they're not enslaved per se. They are criminals working off a punishment or a sentence that was imposed upon. No, no. Everyone knows sort of with regard to marijuana usage that while blacks and whites and everyone else in society uses marijuana to the same percentage, the people who are convicted and, and, and charged are people of color at, you know, rates, you know, three to one, even though we are, you know, one fifth and, you know, one eighth of the population <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're selective in, in you know, um, enforcement of these laws. You don't, people, right. you know, when people I think have the, the, the misconception that the suburban kids who smoke pot the same rates as urban kids are going into the hood to get their pot, but that's not true. They're getting their pot from Connor and Tanner who live down the block. But Connor and Tanner don't ever get busted as, as drug dealers because uh, one, um, if you break in the break down Connor's daddy's door, um, you're getting sued. Uh, you're not going to break in on his two million dollar door um, and you know and ransack his house uh, for for drugs. And uh, you're not going to stop Connor or, or or Tucker on the corner and, uh, and 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 search them as you might owe every seventh black person in New York on a Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's really sad because I'm sure if you search Connor and Tanner, you will find all those opioids, you, right? too. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> right, exactly. And so, you know, we have this idea, right? So those states, you know, now here's the thing, maybe the, the issue is, because California has the same, you know, selective enforcement, same, you know, uh, disparities in, in, in incarcerating people of color. But I think California hasn't figured out effectively how to make as much money from their prisoners like Louisiana has. So they're willing to trade okay. the tax revenue, right, for the jail revenue. But Louisiana yeah. apparently has figured yeah. out, hey, we can get a lot of this farming done, right? We can get uh, <laughs> a lot of these cheap products made. And so, um, you know, you're right. You know, there is this incentive. In addition to that, there's also a general, uh, what would be the word for it, reticence to change. Um, in these states, because these are the same states who are also last to uh, allow for interracial marriage. They're the last states to allow for, right. for gay marriage. And gay marriage is even a, a race issue, right? You know, these are the states that are always sort of on the back end of everything where they're waiting. And we, we're at a weird tipping point with uh, medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. 29 of the 50 states have now have some form of uh, legalized pot. And we're almost getting to be that tipping point where I think it was 33 states had gotten to that tipping point before gay marriage became legal everywhere. But until that point, you know, the courts are never going to sort of step in and argue and, and allow, you know, for a sweeping change in the law of all the states until we get to a certain tipping point. Now, here's the weird part is that I wonder if anyone's going to bring your crazy argument here, your full faith and credit argument. Uh, now tell, tell people about that because uh, they wouldn't believe it if I said it because I, I always make fun of stuff. So you tell them your serious, ridiculous argument here. <laughs> sure. So uh, I had a client not too long ago who uh, was from California, had perfectly legal prescription for medicinal okay. marijuana, um, had traveled to North Carolina where said prescription was illegal and was charged with possession of marijuana. Uh, one of the arguments that we made was full faith and credit. So under, you know, in constitutional law, if there's a law of a state that is legally enacted and is still on the books, then technically another state is supposed to adhere to the enforcement of that same law. Well, that was the argument. The judge disagreed, <laughs> but I think that it's a novel argument for somebody else to bring, uh, hopefully on a, a larger national scale. Once we have that trend that, that you were discussing about states who are, who are progressive as far as uh, legalizing marijuana. I think the other thing that we want to notice is just like you said, the states who aren't doing it are the states that were last to recognize gay marriage and interracial marriage and all that. They were also the last ones to recognize um, <laughs> that uh, black people should have <laughs> civil rights. They <laughs> were also the same ones to recognize that black people should yeah, be owned. Um, <laughs> they were also the last ones to recognize that perhaps integrated schools might be the way for yep. the future. Um, and, and so in the South, you notice a lot of these things. And I don't know if it's just a desire for people to just not work or if, you know, people just really, I, I think if, if I had to step out on the limb, I would say, I think that Southern states tend to be poorer in a sense than right. Western and Northern states. And as a result, uh, the, the poverty level creates certain chasms of, of uh, mm -hmm. acceptance. The poverty level is like, look, we're good here. We don't want to go changing everything. We finally found something that we're comfortable with. Uh, it doesn't matter we don't have a dentist or eye doctor or, or anything like that. That doesn't matter. Um, we don't need teeth. What we need is comfort. 
And change brings discomfort. Also, if you look at these areas, these are the areas where, um, just going historically, where Black people were coming into the country for the purpose of slavery. So there are going to be large populations of Black people all throughout from Texas to Virginia, all throughout. And there's a big push to not equalize uh, the, the treatment and opportunities of African-Americans with mainstream society. Now, I know some people listening to this may be shocked. They may say, oh, no, that's not America. America is, you know, come here, work hard. You know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. But the problem is, is the difference when you're lifting yourself up by your bootstraps when you're starting off on an equal playing field and where you already have established businesses or an opportunity to get access to the capital you need or whatever the case may be, and you have a lot more options than somebody who's coming here and their grandparents weren't even allowed to go to school, <laughs> right? So, like, so, you know, you're coming from, you know, a lot of us are either first-generation college mm-hmm. grads or if we're second-generation college grads, we were college grads who actually had some modicum of an opportunity but weren't sure how to handle that because there was no playbook or blueprint for how this thing works. And so all the family's hopes and dreams land on you and any backtrack or mistake that any regular person or anybody in the mainstream society would make that might cause you to be temporarily embarrassed, but you can overcome could be detrimental for anybody in these situations. And this is part of the reason why legalizing marijuana is such a big deal. I I will put out there that I suspect more people are doing marijuana in these states where marijuana is illegal than the state would care to admit. I believe that that it's something that's not as random and not as foreign as people accept. And also, I will also put out there that I believe that there is a reason why marijuana has never been looked at or investigated for any of its medicinal purposes in those states. It's funny how the opioid crisis is a health (laughs) epidemic. Crack wasn't, but that's another story. Um, It's funny how the things that don't affect minority communities get attention even in these Southern states where marijuana is not being legalized. But (laughs) the things that impact the African-American community aren't. Um, And I think the other thing is we're not just talking about legalization so people can walk them down the street and be smoking and this is your new society. We're talking about the opportunities that these businesses will bring. So these are jobs for people who, who are growers, for people who are in retail, for people who are in distribution. These are jobs and who better to work in these jobs than somebody who was already doing it well, before. But we, we is that this was an opportunity for making America great again, or at least first, because here's why. The federal pre, you know, rules that would stop marijuana from coming in from other countries are still into effect, right? You, you know, you can't bring it across from the southern border, the northern border, right? Don't buy ship plane, um, you know, um, you know, on a canoe across the river sticks. But right. you could grow it here, you know, in those states. So we had an opportunity to bring back some right. American agriculture. You got to, we got to drive that from a, from a truck somewhere. I mean, you know, we could actually be making something in America again. 
all right, uh, you know, a product, right, right, that we now have to import from somewhere. And these people, you know, don't want to do it. And here's the thing about it is, and this is the thing that Obama did that was so smooth that even I didn't notice at the time. You actually, you know, gave me the details about it today. We just want to talk just a second about the coal memorandum. Where, okay. Yeah, so, tell me yeah. just a, a, a second about it. But what, this is what I like about this is this wasn't some – Obama didn't give a press conference and say, hey, everybody, we're going to change federal enforcement of the, metal, of the marijuana laws uh, because that would be really bad to be the, the weed president when you're the first black president. You know, the fourth black president gets to be the weed president, but not the first <laughs> So tell me how we, how we, how we, how we kind of undercut that smoothly. Well, there was a, a U.S. attorney general by the name of James Cole working in the Obama administration. And one of the things he realized was that despite the fact that this Con Controlled Substances Act criminalized marijuana, um, the resources for federal agents and for attorneys working for the federal government were limited and really should be pointed towards bigger situations than just the average marijuana possession, distribution, manufacturing situation. So what he did was he passed a, a, an internal directive, if you will. Uh, this is not a statute. This is not case law. This isn't anything that anybody would cite in a court right. case, but more so guidance for all the United States attorneys working nationally as to what his objectives and priorities would be with criminalizing and prosecuting marijuana. And what he did was he limited the federal government's prosecutorial and law enforcement power regarding uh, state legalized marijuana, and he uh, listed it only for the following. So he would get involved for preventing distribution of weed to mm -hmm. minors, which we all would want because we don't want right. the kids using it. Um, he would prevent revenue from the sale of weed from going to criminal enterprises, gangs, and cartels. So that weeds out your Pablo yeah. Escobar's. Uh, sorry, Pablo, you know, <laughs> but, but, but uh, chances are sponsor. you weren't really relying but, but on Pablo, anyway. if you want to sponsor, I'm sure Jeffy, Jesse, Jesse would take your phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> I, I won't take that call. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not all money is good money. Uh, <laughs> Domino. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he also wanted to prevent the diversion of weed from states where it is legal to the states where it is illegal. Because as you can imagine, any aspiring entrepreneur or businessman would say, well, if weed is legal in Colorado, but it's illegal in Utah, I can make that drive. Yo, I can do that. Make sure people get what they need. Uh, they don't want you to be able to do that. Uh, he wanted to uh, prevent legal weed from being used as a cover or pretext for trafficking of other illegal drugs or other illegal activity. And I think about America's huge human trafficking problem. So he didn't want people to disguise, oh yeah, we're shipping a crate of uh, legal marijuana to Colorado and just ignore that the women working there were also being yeah. trafficked, right? So we want, we want to make sure that we're involved in that. Um, preventing violence and the use of firearms in the cultivation and distribution of weed. Well, the argument can be made that if dispensaries are established and this becomes more of a mainstream thing, people won't have to resort to firearms for the weed. Firearms for the weed is like if you're in college, particularly for those of you who may go to a HBCU, everybody recognizes the weed man's car. It's the one with the tinted windows and the <laughs> dashboard. Everybody knows that. 
So, you know, they, they want to prevent that. But the only reason that guy's doing it is because he's not able to set up a legal authorized dispensary to get it. This is all done under the cloak. And he wants you to understand that this is definitely a business transaction. And if things get out of pocket, he's prepared to defend himself. But people don't realize how smooth Obama was with this. First of all, it's not the Obama memo, right? Now, here's the thing. It's this thing called the Cole memo. It's not even a a real thing. Now, on the other hand, you know what is, is also was enacted that way? DACA. Right. The deferred, um, you know, basically the, the dreamers, right, that allowed them to stay. That is not a law. It's the same right. thing. It's a directive, right, to the federal prosecutor that says, hey, when you're looking to throw people out of the country, don't look to throw these people out. Right. You go after the drug dealers, you go after. Okay. And basically has all those things. Right. Same exceptions. If you're a drug, you know, if you're a criminal record, if right. you're doing this, you're doing that. We, but otherwise, we, we're just going to not go after you. It didn't make you legal. It's simply, simply we're not going to go after you. Right. The thing that's amazing, though, is DACA got a bitch of a bunch of you know people were complaining that Republicans that he was you know, it was King Obama he had usurped the Congress etc. and somehow he snuck in the weed real smooth, right? There were two Supreme Court right. cases that challenged DACA, right? No case challenging the weed. The weed just sort of Obama was smooth with it. <laughs> I don't know if he handed out weed to everybody in Congress or what it was. But they missed this. And I got to give Obama credit because a lot of times I was like, you know, he wasn't strong enough with the calls, but he came out real. And like I said, the only way a black man could have done it, right, just low key. He couldn't have ever said, hey, I'm running my second term and my big initiative. The first time I got your health care, now I'm getting you the chronic. That wouldn't have worked, right? He wouldn't have got a second term. And so I got to give Obama a lot of credit here. This is real, 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 real smooth. But we'll see. And we're going we're gonna to have to come back to this again and again. The feds are trying to ramp up their enforcement. They sort of rescinded the doc, rescinded the, the, the coal memo. But the problem they still have is the one they had at the beginning of the coal memo. Who's going to arrest all these people? The Colorado police aren't going to help you because they're trying to get their $270 million. So, um, so we'll see what happens on that front. The last thing we got to get with is um, Aziz Ansari, uh, or uh, Aziz. I'm sorry, I guess not. <laughs> um, uh, those of you who are in a hole and missed Aziz Gate, we'll tell you the very, very simple story. Aziz meets a young woman. She says, "Hey, you're Aziz." He says, "I know." He says, "Hey, we should go to dinner." He says, "I know." They go to dinner. Um, they come back from dinner, go to his place. Um, there's some, you know, some some kissing and touching and hugging and hugging and rubbing and and and, and some eventually. But she's like, you know, I don't want to go too too far. And he's like, come on, let's go a little further. She's no 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 further. And he says, hey, fine, I'll call you Uber. Um, and the next day she's very upset about it. And then she gets so upset about it that she publishes the entire account uh, or has it been published on a, on a website called Babe. And uh, and it right. blows up over the weekend. But here's the weird thing is, this was one of those situations where originally people said, oh, my God, we got to string them up. Aziz, horrible. But a bunch of people start coming out for Aziz, including the New York Times, CNN, uh, the Atlantic, and said, hey, 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 this isn't you know assault. This is just a bad sex. And, and we've all had this. I had it right. Tuesday. And, and we got to, you know, we got to go online here. <laughs> We got, you know, we got some thoughts on this that, 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 that I think are are, um, are are not any nuanced, um, but as fathers of, of, of young black men, I think we, we we look at it maybe a little differently. Or right, so well, I'll tell you this: I was kind of coming off the high of the <laughs> right. Me Too campaign. I, I was hearing stories about 
uh, Harvey Weinstein. I'm hearing stories about Louis C.K. I'm hearing stories about Tavis Smiley. I'm hearing stories about, you know, every everybody who was on the news right. at the time. And the stories were things that I just never imagined uh, men were putting women in these right. sorts of positions. So when when I hear these stories and, you know, nobody wants to hear that anybody's uh, daughter, wife, friend or anybody has been put in this kind of position. I'm thinking, OK, yeah, let's gear up. Let's go after everybody who's doing this. Let's expose them and hopefully seek criminal prosecution. But I guess we haven't gotten there right. to that point yet. But. When I when I saw this article, the first thing that that kind of got under my skin was this wasn't coming from any of the news sources that I would <laughs> deem to be reputable. So it's not the New York Times, you know, like uh, USA Today, nothing like that. This was from Babe, and I wasn't familiar with Babe. Turns out, I guess Babe is a kind of an up and coming, uh, more pro feminist uh, uh, right. blog site, but but I wasn't really familiar with it. But they were blasting the headline and they had his face. And of course, whenever you're accused of any kind of sexual misconduct, they put the the, <laughs> the most guilty face that they can possibly put up because they know I'm going to click on it if nothing else is to laugh at the picture. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you, I click on it and I'm reading this account. And as I'm reading her account, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, when is it going to happen? Oh, they met at a restaurant over this camera that they both happen to have an affinity for. Okay, that's when it happened. And then I'm like, well, no. So then she goes to the house. All right, cool. Now she's at the house. This is when it's going to happen. And then it's like, well, no, they were kind of engaged and canoodling or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, eh. And then I kept looking for it. Well, and, and then this happened. And, and the more I kept looking for it, the more I'm like, okay, this really just sounds like they're on a date. And this is, you know, at some points it's a good date. At some points it's a bad date. And then you get to the end and she's like, you know, you got the, he called the Uber uh, for her. Uh, she sent a text message about how she felt about the evening. He responded back that he's sorry. He's sorry to hear that, whatever. And you're thinking to yourself, it just didn't provide the same level of um, right. like outrage that, Everything from Har like Harvey Weinstein is like luring people in with his female secretary, and then she leaves, right. and he's trapping you in the hotel room like that. Oh, that is ridiculous. Uh, this was right. Like, he just yeah. in a meeting. It's like, hey, let's let's get naked. Yeah, totally. You're right. Th those were outrageous right. cases, and so you were like, you know, this doesn't seem that bad in comparison. And by the way, just so we're clear here, you know, we're, right. we're basically what happened is is that and we can be clear about this, and we want to get to so many details, but that you know that Aziz wanted to go all the way and she wanted to stop at somewhere along, you know, between second and third base, you know, or in somewhere in a dugout somewhere. And, and they ended right. up stopping, you know, he didn't force it or whatever, right. but it was, you know, she felt pressured, et cetera. So that's what we're talking about here is an uncomfortable situation that, you know, no one I think is arguing that it's a criminal violation. And so it seems so different than these other right. cases. And so people were, a lot of people were, were thinking, ah, you know, it's probably, this wasn't, you know, we, we, you know <laughs> this wasn't, you know, a good move for the Me Too. Right. And, and the other thing, you know, part of this is about galvanizing support behind the issue to bring awareness. So if we're trying to organize these stories to bring awareness from a campaign that I believe, even though it's, it's uh, driven by women, I believe that they're looking also for men to support and promote the campaign as well. 
So it looks like from that standpoint, we want to go after the people that we feel like deserve to be gone after. And even with that, it seems like this story is splintering some of that because the the girl, I think her name was Kristen Ray, who wrote the story, right. or not not the victim, but she wrote hey, the right. story about the victim. She started going going against the uh, reporter at, at HLN on personal stuff, talking about her bad highlights and all this stuff. And it just seems, you know, counterproductive if if we're supposed to be galvanized in solidarity. Why would be we be tearing down somebody else just because they may right. have questions about the story? And then if you're like if you're a person like me, you would think Aziz Ansari, he's a pretty big name uh in 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 the media industry. So if, if he's a pretty big name, he's acting in a lot of different movies, he has comedy specials, he has uh, Netflix specials, TV shows. If he has all this, wouldn't a reputable news company pick that story up and run with it? And if they didn't, does that mean that they didn't find the source of that story credible? Um, does it mean that you know there's some kind of plot to protect Aziz Ansari by all accounts? Um, I, you know, you just don't know. But it, it to me, it makes it difficult, and I always fear as a black man raised in the South, uh, now as a, a black father raised in the South, I always fear the gravity of the false accusation, right? So we're looking at the history of things like Emmett Till, where you have a little guy right. who's not even from Mississippi, who allegedly whistles at a white woman and comes gets drug out of his house in front of his family, brutally murdered. And then all these years later, before the lady dies, she admits that she was lying, right? right? Um, you, you you have situations like all the time that you hear about false accusations. Basically, has not countered any factuals here. We haven't had Lucy movement, anybody yet who right. said, oh my God, no, this didn't happen. Even Tavis Smiley admits that he had, you know, he, his hand in the cookie jar. He says he had permission to be in the cookie jar. But the point is, is that the issue that you're concerned about, that I'm always concerned about too, all right? You know, false accusations, particularly as, 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 as black men, hasn't come up in this movement yet. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, you know, that, that being said, um, you know, you were saying, Right. So so I guess the thing about it is, it's not that I want a victim to be able to prove that they were victimized, but right. from reading that account, it's very difficult for me to see, particularly when there were certain right. sexual acts that she was engaged in willfully. That it's, it's hard for me to understand at what point is she saying this was a violation. And I think her response was uh, there were certain unspoken Cues right. that he didn't well, pick you know, up. And here's the thing: to me, I thought of this as being a wonderful thing for the Me Too movement in in a number of ways. One, you know, you you mentioned the is it you know the same or in, in gravity? This is a way less violation than um, Weinstein, who actually you know people accuse him of, of literally rape or you know forcible you know or rape, right? Or you know false imprisonment, keeping people against their will. Right. This is nothing like. Right. This is way, way wow. different. But here's the thing is, as the Me Too movement grows, and maybe it didn't have to happen this year, but it had to happen eventually. It's not just enough to deal with those with those big issues. And we find this problem with racism a lot. It's like people only now in the 21st century will say if you didn't call the person the N word, then it's not racism. So we have people arguing this mm -hmm. week about whether Trump is racist. Now, he says, I don't want people from a certain part of the region right. of the world to come into America. 
but, but people still can't say it's racist. You know why? Because it didn't use the N-word. And so we have to move past sort of these technical things. Okay, what is really the issue here? I don't think Aziz is at all guilty of any criminal violation, any, you know, it, it, all assault isn't, isn't criminally, uh, a criminal assault. But here's what, what, what I will say, though, is that I think this, the conduct that he engaged in here, which is common, and, and, and I think, you know, every man, I will, I will admit, I have been guilty of this conduct where you're trying to, um, you know, to, 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 will be the word for it. You're trying to get laid. All right. And you will ask once and, <laughs> right. and you take no as, okay, I'm not going to court, but, but no might not mean no exactly, but maybe later. That's what he kept saying, right? She kept saying next time. He was like, well, okay, well, is it next time yet? Let's be pouring another glass of wine. Is, that, is it next time yet? And, 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 and the interesting thing about it is that's a form of behavior that isn't illegal, okay? But maybe it's something that we should talk about as part of being the problem. Like maybe we should not be trying as men to, um, you know, <laughs> get to home base all the time or at least – to, to be to be willing to ask before we act because a lot of what is what what Aziz is accused of doing there is you know her having to push his hand away right or he you know he's trying to get her to reach for him and he's mm-hmm. you know she's pushing away where maybe as, as grown men and women of the 21st century we start asking for people first hi would it be okay if I touched you here would you like to touch me there <laughs> <laughs> And that, and that just, it sounds so weird to me because I, I, and I know you're right. I know it's like, you know, to establish those safe boundaries and perimeters before there's a violation. But I also think about things like the, uh, the YouTube clip of, of the ladies in London who are saying, oh, you know, I, I want a boss. I want somebody who's just going to tell me what to do. That. And, and I think that's half the problem. So relationships, right. I think, are just, are just hard when right. you're trying to do the right thing generally. But there's a difference when you're a person of status uh, and you're famous as opposed to regular guys. Because I think regular guys have trouble with this. So when you're a person of status, the the thought process often was, I want to get famous and rich Mm -hmm. so that I can have the Wilt Chamberlain train of women lined up at the Velvet Rope waiting to come get with me. So when you meet somebody out and about and they seem like they're interested in you, you assume that this is going to be a situation built on the fact that I'm mm-hmm. famous and she wants to get with me. Furthermore, it's been further complicated by the fact that you do have certain women who are now <laughs> celebrities in their own right, like right. Amber Rose, Kim Kardashian, who they're perfectly fine with that. Like that's such fun. So, you know, you, you go from this person isn't trying to get to know me right. as in what kind of person I am. This person is trying to have the disease unsorry right. experience. This is what they want. So he's mm-hmm. thinking of it from a commodity standpoint. Whereas we don't know. She may be thinking about it on the same level, or she may be thinking about it as, hey, he seemed pretty cool. Let me go get to know him. Right. Maybe she's attracted to him, but she's just not ready to go all in with him, whatever the case may be. And they didn't have a process for which the two of them explored that, like a regular relationship. To, to to figure out where those pressing points would be. They just went mm-hmm. back and he was operating in his assumption. She was operating in her assumption. Lines get crossed. And, you know, at the end of the night, it just seemed like it was a very awkward situation right. when everything right. was and said and done. I think you're not um, famous. But the I destructive think, part you know, about that, though, 
is, and this is what I liked about it, and you didn't like, and you, you know, you kind of pushed back the idea that it was on Dave's website. See, I think until now, the Me Too movement, guys like us have been happy to support it wholeheartedly and wholeheartedly. You and I have been big supporters. And part of the reason, though, is because it didn't affect us. Neither one of us currently is in a position where okay. we have the kind of power that a Harvey Weinstein has, uh, the type of Smiley, even a Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. So that we knew there wasn't going to be a, I knew there was going to be no story about me in the New York Times anytime soon because I don't have that kind of power over anybody. All right, I, I don't know, would I abuse it if I had it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully not, but 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 I didn't have to worry about that because I didn't have that power. But this is the kind of situation where he doesn't have any power over her, right? So it wouldn't be a Me Too story that would have made the New York Times. Right. This is like somebody's, you know, blog. Anybody could put this up. You could have put this on Facebook, right, and tagged them on it, right? And this is what I kind of like about that because the rest of us now are kind mm-hmm. of on notice that if I go out and uh, just say, don't do anything illegal, but just act a fool. How about that? Um, it, it might get back on Facebook. Right. It, it may, you know, there's nothing to stop anyone from, from right. publishing this on, online. And that, I think, should be good for most of us to give us a, a, a thing that says, you know what, I need to make sure, you know, that 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 because rather than, you know, getting my lines crossed and then going, what we do normally do is, man, oops, my bad. Sorry about that. Is, is that, no, no, I might need to ask first. And you gave a great example. We we're talking privately earlier about how if you if you ride in a car with another man. And you are sure if, if if he were gay, right. you wouldn't put your hand on his knee and just be like, "Oh, sorry about that, my bad," because there's com- consequences and repercussions, right? And this is what I kind of like about now. We're moving to a near era now where right. a couple guys out there goes, "You know what? Before I would have just you know tried it, and then she had to say no. Uh, I think I'm gonna ask this time, right? <laughs> I don't want anybody to." Is- <laughs> and so the, I look right. at it from this standpoint, I'm like, Aziz is not going to lose his job. Matter of fact, this is probably a boost to his career because I know now, I know, know now know how to spell his name. I had no idea how to read his name before. All right. <laughs> I didn't know how to spell both first and last name because I've written about it. Right. So I think it's going to, I'm sure, I bet you if you look on Netflix, he's higher in the queue than he was last week, right, for his comedy special. I think it's probably a, a boon okay. for him personally um, that would get away some of the embarrassment. But I think for the rest of us, the, the, the good thing is that, you know, especially for young black men, and it's important, brothers, if you're out there, listen to me, all right? If you're out there, you might want some proof that she was actually interested in you for like when the police come, all right? Particularly if you're a brother out there who's <laughs> dating white women, and I'm not saying anything about it one way or the other, don't do it. But if you are, listen to me. You want to have proof, all right, for when the police come. You want to have a text that says, I want you, daddy, all right, <laughs> so you can show that to the officer, all right? So make sure you talk about these things beforehand. Hey, by the way, get a text if you can, all right, uh, because, you know, you saw Get Out, all right? It's not always what you think it is. I will. You know, right. and, and you want to have, right. you know, and so I think, you know, the more talk you do, the better. Some people will say, you know, it's going to ruin the mood. And some women will tell you, you know, you know, I, you know, just grab me by the back of the head. Um, I think of it this way, um, you know, and I'm not going to say it that way. Let me put it another way. I don't want to down limit this whole thing. Uh, grown folks talk about stuff. <laughs> and, and if you two of you can't have a conversation about it, uh, you probably shouldn't be doing it. All right. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that, and and what I also say, I mean, I think it's 
it's very difficult. And I think part of the difficulty is uh, a lot of men are indoctrinated with uh, rape culture. And, and what I mean by that is we've all seen romantic comedies and movies where, you know, the guy might be, the guy's into the girl, the girl may or may not be into him. And the movie makes it seem like, all right, well, just go for it. So the guy will always lean over, end up kissing the girl. He'll either get slapped or she'll mm-hmm. like it. And everything works out happily ever after. And then you compare that with, you know, Michael Jordan's infamous quote that you <laughs> miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So, so, so everybody says, well, I'm, I'm you know, just kind of going to wow. go for it and we'll see what happens. And at least that way I'll know. Um, and, and I think one of the things that as men we have to realize and that we have to instill in our in our boys is that's <laughs> that's bad programming. Like we we can't you can't operate like that. Um, you you need to operate from a position of first identifying what you personally right. are individually comfortable with, and then operate from the perspective of what is the person that you are interested in. What are they comfortable with? And I think that those things are going to require communication that everybody's not going to be forward and upfront about. So there are a lot of people who are going to be more modest about what they're willing to tell you they will do than others. And it may just be, you know, a time element. Like I think there's also pressure as as a, a boy becomes a man, there's pressure to rush into Absolutely. things that you may not fully understand yet. Um, and so because of that pressure, you know, guys just put it out there. A lot of guys are trying to get their numbers up. You know what I'm saying? So, so they're not really they're not really thinking about, you know, the, the ramifications of what that could do to the person that you have been with or how they may be interpreting the situation. Um, furthermore, I think most men have, at the very least, a mom they love, a sister they love, a friend that they care about, um, a cousin. I mean, and, and you always have to think in the back of your mind, if a guy was doing this right. to one of the women that I care about, how would I feel about that? And I think if you can't answer that question, you know, with a straight face in the mirror, then that should tell you something about uh, your uh, absolutely. practice. You know, and, and, and here's the thing about it. I'm mean, you know, not going to lie. You, you, because of the way women have been enculturated as well, you're going to find, you know, if you have that conversation, a few women will back off and be like, you know, they would have done things that they you know, won't, won't say, right? So you would have been, you know, you think you'd be better off, you know, not, um, you know, not asking first, but, but, but here's the bottom line. At the end of the day, you know, you want to have, <laughs> I think it this way, you know, you want to have, have, have come to the point at the, at the end of the day, the end of the relationship, however it ends or the encounter that, you know, both sides can feel good about this. Right. And that might mean sometimes that, you know, that, that you'll sit right. there and, and, and watch Seinfeld uh, reruns like uh, Zari and his date did <laughs> at one point in that day. <laughs> but at the end of the day, because I think about it, I, and I think most good men I and mean, decent people, you never want to get that text that he, even if it just the end of the text, it would have been bad. Where, you know, she basically explains how, you know, she felt pressured and all that. And it, it, we, you don't want to deal with that. All right, you don't want to have to deal with someone who's like, all right, well, just hurry up, right? I mean, you know, you know that's not going to be exciting for anybody. So just find out and ask. And, you know, if, if she can't tell you, then, you know, you're probably not with a grown woman anyway. You need to get, you need to get grown people can talk. Right. And, it, and this is a, a PSA for all respectable people. I know that there are one or two savages 
who are listening to the show <laughs> and they're just disavowing everything we said and it's going to go in one end out the other. And, you know, you got to do you, but just don't say nobody ever told you when the police come knocking at your door. That's all. Uh, <laughs> and that's the thing is, you know, there's just too much to, to, to lose for whatever chances you're taking for some random in, encounter, right? You know, find out. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be all, you know, verbal, you, you know, if people show you, right? But, but, but I think, but the thing you, I think the best analogy you came up with that earlier, um, you know, we were talking, we were t- talking earlier, Jesse, is, you know, if you wouldn't reach out and do that with your boy, all right? If I were Jesse and I were sitting around at a table, I wouldn't just reach over and grab and start, you know, eating, you know, a piece of his donut. Right. All right. <laughs> I say, oh man, that looks good. You know, can you break me off a piece of that? I'd ask first. All right. And we're boys, but but you know, you can't just go around grabbing and then be like, well, he didn't say nothing, so I guess it's okay. Right. Right. Um, so think of it that way. It's like you know, if you'd ask in any other situation, you'd ask, ask. Right. And. Um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. It, it's so weird that, that we're having this conversation. This is 2018. This is damn near Jetsons out here. Right. We had damn near packs and self-driving cars. And as men, we're trying to tell each other, now you should ask before you touch somebody. <laughs> 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 but we got to have it because I got to tell you, and you know, don't get wrong, you know, I can say this now. I think Jesse's in the same, in the, in the same boat. We're both happily long married, you know, long time married men with families. So our best you know, Aziz days are behind Correct. us. So it's easy for us to say this because, you know, we're not really, that's not our situation, all right? <laughs> but I can say now as, I, as, I, as I'm older and, and mostly wider and maybe 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 a little wiser <laughs> that, you know what, the, the stuff I was doing you know, when I was that age, that, that I, I, I didn't gain anything, all right, from, from being that way, all right? So, um, you know, learn, 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 learn from my mistakes. And I, I just want to see everybody be successful. I mean, if we can get people into uh, healthy, happy relationships, that's even better. But at the very least, man, I'm trying to keep you from going to the bookings because it's not <laughs> it's, it's not it's not going to be fun if you in jail for uh, whatever they're accusing you of, and uh, your cellmate do the same thing to you. That that's not it's not going to be pleasurable. Um, and, and, I- well, and, and yeah, maybe that's the way to look at it, right? We is we in here, we're going in, 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 in here. Is that you know, don't it's like the golden rule, right? Don't do anything to them that you don't want your cellmate to do to you, correct? Correct, and that includes claws and, and all. <laughs> <laughs> time same bat channel uh well actually always different time as a podcast <laughs> but um but the same bat podcast uh jesse you got any plugs anything you want to oh yeah well, bench, just, bench. just want to remind people you can find us on facebook at brothers-in-law uh make sure you add us join family so we can uh incorporate some of your ideas and hear what you have to say about the things that we have also be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and google play or any other uh, program that you picked us up on, whatever you're listening to, make sure you subscribe. We're out here. Uh, we try to put this out as often as we can. Sometimes scheduling issues do come up, but we want to let y'all know we appreciate everybody who's been listening and we're looking to grow this audience base uh, so we can move this thing on into the future. So uh, once again, we didn't hear from Hennessy uh, last time. So Hennessy, if you're listening, <laughs> Hennessy, Coca-Cola, uh, at this point, Microsoft, Google, uh, Amazon, because you got to think big. 
Uh, so, so if you want to sponsor, uh, you know, a good way to find us is on Facebook. Uh, and you can just email us and let us know. We can set up the meetings and wherever we need to go. As long as it's paid for, we'll be there. So uh, <laughs> I'm also available. I'm happy with uh, RC Cola. Uh, orange Check. Tahitian <laughs> <laughs> And we'll see you next time, everybody. See y'all later.